Good afternoon, traders. How we doing on out there? Are you guys ready to get into this market? We're going to go ahead and take a look. It's been volatile as always, you know, choppy chop action out there. We went to the 400, knocked back down, come back up. Would well, we get knocked back down here? Definitely going to pay attention to the overall market right now, trying to fight towards the 400. Let's talk about the topics today. We got initial jobless claims, EA, EIA, crude oil inventories, Fed chair, Jerome Powell, ECB hike, interest rate, Putin warning out there, Prime Minister Louise Trust, uh, Trust Rivian, GameStop, Asana, Dave and Busters, McCormick, Kathy Wood, ARK Invest states deflation. Disney former CEO Bob Iger coming out with some comments, caught some comments in NIO's NVIDIA chip situation, United housing markets. We got a lot to talk about here. Like always, I try to get to some expert opinions today at 115. We'll get uh, Mark Miner, founder and CEO of HiArc. So excited to get into today's show. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. I'm your host, Money Mitch, and let's dive on in. There are three ways to make a living in this business. Be first, be smarter, or cheat. I can't help you cheat, but I can give you the informational edge to help you succeed in the markets. Welcome to Stock Market Movers. All the market moving headlines and expert opinions every day. They say money is the oxygen of capitalism, and I want to breathe more than any man alive. All right, traders, let's get it started. Let's take a look at the overall market action right now. We're definitely getting some choppy chop on out there. Can look at the 15 minutes and you can see we bounced right around this 395 level. Started actually fading off here towards the open and then found the bounce right around 394. So not a bad level to have looked at for a bounce and definitely not a bad day there for the spy getting a little bounce on up we'll see if it kind of stays within the range that's one thing that i've been seeing is that we're kind of in this hourly range i talked about it on the four hour chart earlier today and would we get out of this range right now it seems like we're just stuck in between this we come up we come down we come up we come down and so we need to kind of watch to see what's going to happen here Will we get the push through the 400? Will we get the cut down through the 390, right? I mean, today we had a lot of talk um, out there. We had a lot of things hitting the tape, a lot of noise, right? And so we're going to cover some of that. We're going to get into it. But like always, one thing that I would say is when we have a trending market, it's a lot easier to take trades in that trend, right? If you're going and trending down, well, trend down is probably going to be your best trade, right? trading with the trend. In this case, now that we're going sideways, you're going to probably see a lot of chop area or like Jonathan Loveless mentioning now, barcoding. This is what happens a lot of the time, especially once the spy starts going sideways. So I've been paying attention to see if we're going to get out of the range, but for right now, still range bound. All right, let's get out of the overall market. Let's get into our first topic today, which is, of course, a talk on initial jobless claims and initial jobless claims coming in here at 222,000 versus a 240,000 estimate prior was 228,000. And what does this show us? Lower claims gives the Fed more ammo 
to their weapon, which is, of course, their interest rate hike rates. And so this is what we're going to continue to see. And I think, you know, Jerome Powell kind of iterated this um, as you saw him kind of speaking, of course. Um, he was at an event right now. This was at 910 towards about 950. And we started seeing a leak. Eventually, it actually popped up. But let's talk about some of these comments that came from Jerome Powell. So some of the comments on Thursday was that he was strongly committed to fighting inflation. Jerome emphasized the importance of getting inflation down before the public gets too used to higher prices and comes to expect them as a norm. I don't know about you guys. What do you guys think out there? And I'll throw it up to the chat. Let me know what you guys think in the chat there. How do you feel about the new norm of inflation? Are you at that point that you're like looking around and you're like, well, it's kind of normal to see this pricing now. This is what Jerome Powell's trying to avoid, that change in thinking from the consumer, right? And he also stated, of course, that history cautions strongly against premature loosening policy. So in, if you look back in time, anytime that they've kind of flipped way too early, it was kind of a sign of a worry because this can really cause pain, right? I mean, let's say if they flip way too early and then all of a sudden inflation goes hot again, will they be able to actually bring it in the next time? And so this is what, of course, Fed Chair Jerome Powell is trying to avoid by sticking to the comments that they're strongly committed to fighting inflation. Of course, it, you, we got also more comments on out there about in, uh, interest rates, but it came from the ECB today. And I think this is important to kind of catch uh, the ECB on Thursday announced a 75 basis point hike rate, taking its benchmark deposit rate to 75%. Of course, they were actually in the negative. So this is a little bit better, but they've been in the negative since 2014. And this was all on a bid to kind of spur the spending, get the spending on out there and combat low inflation. Now they're trying to fight back that high inflation by raising the rates. And it's something that, you know, we can expect in the future too. The ECB kind of also gave us the insight how they're looking forward. ECB said that it added expects to raise interest rates further because inflation remains far too high and is likely to stay above the target for an extended period. And so the ECB definitely uh, kind of giving us the statements there that they're planning on getting the interest rate higher and higher to try to combat inflation themselves. And this wasn't the only thing that came out, right? We also got kind of Europe news uh, and it was kind of more out of England where we got, of course, Prime Minister uh, Liz Trust announcing a broad stimulus package to help the Brits soaring energy bill and attract investments into the energy sector. That's why I was paying attention a little bit. You guys know I've been watching solar plays, uh, but Trust announced the typical household will pay no more than 2,500 pounds. Um, as if you calculate that into dollars, that's about $2,880 per year for each of the next two years. So the cap will be placed on October 1st. The big question here is how will the bill be funded, right? Will this cause inflation to spike in the long term is something that many are asking now. 
All right, in a second, in about five minutes, we'll be getting into our first interview. Want to keep on going here with some of the biggest stories out there today. Like always, that's what Stock Market Movers is all about, getting you all the headlines out there, moving the stocks, and of course, getting to some expert opinions. Let's keep going here. I want to talk about Rivian as it's definitely getting a nice day and nice little push on up. Let's take a look at the chart was watching it a little bit earlier. Let's go through the 15 minute as it's trying to come back and recover that VWAP. I was watching this uh, stock trade on live trading. Rivian shares are trading higher after the company announced a partnership with Mercedes-Benz van signing uh, a partnership of strategic partnership here. And of course, what's the venture for? It's for producing electric vans in Europe. And so this is something to keep on watch, of course, um, whenever you hear these companies kind of team up with another automaker, I think this is something to keep on watch. Rivian is one of the favorites and it doesn't look too bad. I mean, this one on, on the long term, it had a lot of bottoming around 25. Now we're finding kind of bottoming near 31s. This doesn't look too bad in the long run. Now, really, I want to see Rivian back up above 50. That's when it's really going to get bullish. But by then, it's going to be a little too late to try to catch it. So we'll see what happens. Rivian really trying to get that lift there with the Mercedes-Benz mentioned. And we'll see if it could take that next step and close up towards 37 or maybe the pre-market high, 38.30. All right, keep on going here. We got about three minutes till we get to our interview. Did want to mention about EIA crude oil inventories coming in today. And what do we need to take a look at? Well, let's take a look at some oil names to see how they're trading on the day. So you guys, one of the things that we were looking at to see what would happen is what would happen at that 11 o'clock hour with the EIA crude inventories coming out. So the stockpiles actually surged here, nearly 9 million barrels. You can see there 8.84 million uh, on the actual. The estimate was a decline of 250,000. Why did this kind of increase here? Was a lot on the combination of increased imports with the ongoing release of the government's emergency reserves. And so this definitely gave it some lift there. You can see here right around 11, we kind of bottomed out. We came down pretty fast, but look how fast we're coming back on up here. And of course, we also got comments from um, Russian President Putin uh, on Wednesday, and he threatened about putting you know Europe into the freeze. And so comments like that was helping oil. I've been focusing on this XOM. It's been a nice pullback opportunity. You guys know I've also been watching Oxy. That one looks like it's starting to balance out, starting to come back on up there. Now to 65, 18s. We'll see what happens if it's actually able to start making a run. Oil has come down fast. I was watching WTI earlier in the day. Let me go ahead and just take a quick glimpse here. Looks like we're up about 2.23% on oil today. I look at the crude oil WTI front month, and we're at 83, 82s. So it looks good as long as we can hold around 82s here on pullbacks. Let's see if we can push back towards 90 by, I would say, by like Monday or Tuesday to really get some drive in these oil stocks. We want to see some kind of real push in these because it has been coming down fast. And that's why it's been a little bit of a dangerous play playing in energy. All right, let's get out of the EIA talk in a second. We're going to get into our interview like always 
After this, we'll go into, uh, we're going to do what was hot and what was not. And then, of course, we'll get into our earnings stock. we got a lot to talk about today. We've already gone into initial jobless claims, EIA crude, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, ECB hike rate, and Putin warning. Also, Prime Minister Louise Trust um, doing the energy cap. And so the energy cap is definitely, I think, something to keep on watch if you're natural gas traders. That's why I think we got kind of a, a turnaround early on. But natural gas is going to have its wave, right? And so I'm going to be looking for when that next wave is coming. Right now, it doesn't look like the time, but it's something to keep on watch. We'll see what happens in the Europe energy crisis and to see if we get another spike. All right, let's go ahead. Let's dive into our first interview. Like always, one of the things that I like to do is get to some expert opinions. So now we're going to go ahead and dive a little bit into the housing market. So if you guys have a question, feel free to throw it up in the chat. I'll go ahead and catch it there. Let's go ahead and bring on our first guest today. All right, Mark Miner, founder and CEO of HiArc. How you doing today? Oh, Mark, check check really quickly if you can do me the favor. The setting bar at the, at the bottom, hit the setting and make sure your audio uh, mic is selected. Sometimes it has a tendency of changing the mic um, from the default. There you go. We got you. Cool. Boom. Good thing at least I know the troubleshooting most of the time. So. <laughs> How you doing? Sorry about that. No, it's okay, Mark. Uh, it's, it's our fault not having a, a producer to help you get started here, but I, I'm here. So let's get it started. Let's get running here. First things first, I wanted to kind of do a high level overview of what you've been seeing happening in the housing market, let's say in the last six months. Just kind of give us a little bit of a, a review of what you've been seeing. Sure. Well, I think obviously um, everyone's been affected by um, the kind of uh, activity that the Fed's been undertaking over the last six months. And certainly that's impacted the um, kind of fever pitch that demand was at uh, last year. So we've seen a slowdown in overall um, interest uh, in terms of buyer demand, but in terms of uh, home building, which is really the part of the housing sector we're focused on, um, the, it's been pretty steady. So, and there's a lot of reasons for that, mainly because home builders are still working against a pretty big undersupply in the market. So I think if anything, um, we're seeing some degree of kind of relief at um, a slump uh, in that things are starting to look a little bit more like normal versus last, the last two years, which for home builders were particularly challenging. You probably know um, lumber prices and materials more broadly that were short in supply coupled with extremely high demand made for a pretty wild ride for the home builders in the U.S., Definitely. It was a, a wild ride. And uh, I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, I was actually looking at housing for a second there. I was, you know, I was considering it myself because I, you know, I've been saving up to get a house and I was like, well, you know, the pandemic's here. You know, are people going to really be buying houses if they can't even go to the house? Well, right. Uh, I, I definitely was surprised there, right? I don't know about you, Mark, but I had never seen an environment where people were buying houses without even looking at them. Uh, over and over and over again. And all that did was accelerate the reverse migration trends that were already happening, right? Folks moving out of big cities, moving towards more regional cities. And I think that's just gonna, that's here to stay with um, 
with remote work. And so I think the next few years actually look really good for home building. Home building is a, a really large part of the economy. You probably know it's around $400 billion a year just in home sales from uh, home building. So, um, and, I, and I don't expect that to experience a pretty a significant decline. I think we'll see a slump, a slowdown as the interest rates do what they're going to do. But um, home builders are much better prepared to deal with it right now than they were uh, eight years or so ago in the in the actual housing um, recession that we had. So, so we're still we still haven't delivered the number of units we delivered at the height yeah. of the recession. So what are some of the issues? You know, you mentioned there some of the material prices going on up, but why so little supply? Is it just more just material price or is it just we're not building enough? Yeah, we're just not building enough. Um, it, you know, the, the, the amount of homes we build isn't constrained really by supply side. Obviously, the last two years being a, a, a kind of rare exception. So um, it, it's very challenging in the U.S. Uh, and, and abroad to keep up with the demand that's uh, in the market for, for housing. You have a, a aging housing supply. And so you've got to make up for that with new homes. Um, and it's challenging to do given the kind of the lack of new folks entering the trades, um, coupled with the fact that we haven't really changed how we build in the last hundred years. So what we're focused on is using technology to help builders move a whole lot faster and to build better homes uh, more affordably for buyers. So we're, we're a software company that injects automation into the home building cycle so yeah. that um, we can address some of these kind of um, systematic problems with affordability and speed. Now, one of the things that I've been thinking about, and uh, you guys can maybe give us some more insight on this, is how, how can 3D houses and kind of that outlook really kind of catch on? Do you feel like it, it could be a trend that can really kick off? Well, you know, I actually uh, was a part of two of the leading 3D, 3D printing companies prior to starting this company. So I have a fairly uh, uh, good idea of what what's holding 3D printing back from becoming more dominant in manufacturing, but also more broadly in areas like housing. And I think 3D printing right now is it's kind of uh, in the R&D stage for housing. We're not going to see anything meaningful in the way of volume for at least a decade. Remember, in the U.S., we build around a million homes a year. And we actually need to be building more. Um, right now, I would wager there's less than 200 homes or something that have been built using 3D printing um, everywhere. So <laughs> I think we're a long ways away from 3D printing as a kind of format. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We have a huge network of trades. Housing is one of the coolest industries home building is because it's so decentralized by nature, you know. And actually, that's something that we should that should work for us. It shouldn't work against the process. And that's where software can make a big difference. So our, our, we're placing our bets on software, kind of injecting the kind of agility and reduction in um, overhead that you've seen it inject in other industries like manufacturing. We're looking at ways to apply a lot of what works in digital manufacturing over to home building. Excellent. Now, what do you expect to see in prices of homes after, you know, the pandemic bubble in pricing that we had? Are they, you know... Are, do you expect to see a, a big decline or do you think that they're just slowly going to leak here and housing should kind of stay up? Yeah. I mean, look, I'll give you my um, opinion. I'm a technology leader. I'm, 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 I'm not uh, an economist, but yeah. I think it'll be a good thing. Like right now, the average cost of a home for mortgage is around a third of the typical American income. That's the highest it's been since 2007. So um, it's kind of in our interest to see a um, cooling of the housing market, you know, uh, 
costs have jumped pretty significantly, partially due to, uh, for new homes, partially due to the um, supply challenges we had. And so I, I think as those, uh, as those cool and as the housing demand kind of cools a little bit, we'll see pricing stabilize. I don't see it going down significantly, particularly because of what I mentioned about reverse migration. The reality is there's a ton of new hot markets that are not the old hot markets, you know, not the major MSAs, um, but sort of secondary sort of tier markets still have a lot of room to grow. And so I, I, I don't think we're going to see a huge, huge hits on pricing over the next year in those markets. Yeah, excellent. I appreciate you joining us and giving us a little bit of the insight into housing. The last one I'll just give is housing recession, yay or nay? What do you think? Do we think we'll get into <laughs> the recession? No, here, look, look, in 65 years, only eight of those years have we built under 600,000 homes in the U.S. So I'm talking about home building here. Only eight of those years have we built under 600,000 homes. We have a massive housing shortage. And so the reality is the demand is there. And if you're paying attention to the trends and consumer spending, you, you know, it's not all doom and gloom the way you hear it uh, yeah. often in the mainstream news. And so I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. What we see from builders is pretty optimistic. You might see a slump, you know, over the next year or so, which is fairly normal cyclicality for home building. But I'm, I, if you're looking at housing as a broader industry for investing, I think the next few, it's, it's, it's a pretty stable bet. And um, there's a lot of room for growth. Well, thank you for joining us today. Mark Miner, founder and CEO of HiArc, and appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely have you back. Hey, thanks, man. Have a good one. Thank you, Mark. All right, that's going to do it for our first interview today. I hope you guys enjoyed talking about the housing market. And like he said there, I mean, uh, I mean, housing has been kind of your best bet, really. I mean, when you think about it long term, everyone kind of thinks about their house as kind of more their first retirement investment. And has paid off, right? I mean, if you were able to buy a house before 2020, I'm sure you're looking at your equity today and being like, well, it was a great decision, right? Well, now the decision goes is those people that bought in the pandemic, did they buy at the top and housing prices come down? Or would it be a good investment because they got in right at the kind of the pandemic bubble? And even though we get a little pullback, eventually it breaks out above that something to keep on watch for investments out there. I know I've been looking at some kind of housing situations, whether that be, you know, Airbnb investments, alternative investments, things like that. We'll see what happens. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into back into the market. Let's take a quick peek at where we're at in the spy. And wouldn't you know it back on up. It just seems like there's just the game here played by a lot of traders out there. And it just goes to show me that, we can't get too too bullish in one direction, too bearish in one direction. We're always going to come into these moments where we kind of have this choppiness, especially in bear markets. And so in my eyes right here, in a time when you're just going sideways is when you try to what? Capital preserve, preserving capital and trying to play it in the right direction. And what I usually wait is for the actual breakout or breakdown. Playing right here is tough. Because you're going to get a lot of volatility chop. And unless you can put your orders outside of that volatility, you might get chopped up in that by the time the stock goes in the direction that you're looking at. All right, let's keep going here. Let me catch up with the chat. It's good to see you guys on out there. Quantum, Sabrina, uh, Crassy, Easy Mike, Trend Spotter. It's good to have you guys. Quantum, Kalu, 
It's good to see you guys in the chat. Say hello if you're brand new to the show, and let's keep it going here. Next headline up, we're going to go into what was hot and what was not today. Let's go ahead. Let's dive on in. All right, so we're looking at healthcare. Um, healthcare is actually the leading sector on the day. Um, so let me go ahead and just put up the banner here. Sorry about that, guys. I didn't have it selected there. There it is. What was hot and what was not today? Well, healthcare getting a nice little lift. Medical devices getting some push on up. I did catch some of these INVO taking off here. If you guys want a cheaper name, this taking off right now. SDC I saw taking off today. And it just seemed like some of these cheaper names were really getting some lift. Let's take a look at some higher price uh, medical device stocks. Abbott Labs getting some push today. MDT getting some push today. Uh, so definitely seeing some good lift here in healthcare. Biotech is the next leading industry here. And I've been watching some of these. AMG, uh, AMGN, not looking bad here, Amgen. Um, also, we got a good, really good rip there in Regenron after getting some good uh, news from their kind of trial that they're on right now. This spiked like crazy, and I feel like it's helping out the industry continue to push. It was on primary endpoints where it met two pivotal trials investigating the novel uh, a fib, a fibercept, eight milligrams with 12 to 16 week dosing regimens. So pretty much some good primary endpoints really taking that off. And I thought it would get Moderna started. It had a nice little push up at 142, has pulled back. We'll see if it makes that move back up to 142. I do like this name also um, for kind of, uh, I also like Gilead to come back on up. We'll see if this one can get back on up to 66. That's where I want to see this one close today and give us the sign that it wants to come right back up there. And this won't be looking bad either. We'll see what happens in these biotechs. Um, but it's a lot. Diagnosis and research doing well. Medicare. It, it wasn't only one name. And I also was looking for the kind of the major manufacturers. Like J&J &J was one that was on my radar today. Um, when it was pulling back here towards this lower support here on the symmetrical triangle outlook on the daily, you can see how we kind of like running into this level. The 165 is very important to kind of get through and close. But when we were down here to 163, it looked great. It bounced there twice. Let's see if it really closes towards 165. This is going to be looking good. And I'm keeping my eyes on these because I know that a lot of people are looking for some GARP. And we talked about GARP yesterday, growth at reasonable prices, right? So a lot of these, I would say, are these major drug, drug manufacturers like Pfizer, J&J, uh, Lilly. Uh, take a look at Merck. You know, I think these are all uh, potential investments in this time of environment. But let's keep going. Let's get into financial services. I did catch that having a really good day. Global banks getting some lift. JPM, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, a lot of these getting some good lift. And even Citigroup, remember when that kind of popped on their earnings? It had to come back down here from that move. Now it's coming back. This is not a bad one to watch as it comes into their earning as a, you know, has pulled back significantly. It's not one that, you know, if I was going to trade one of the banks, it'd probably be looking at Citi or JPM. We'll see what happens with these. All right, what's going on out there, guys? Jet, what's going on? Ready, Trader One. It's good to see you guys there. All right, catching up. They got Crypto Taurus. Appreciate you, nickel and dimes. What's up, Quantum? Much love. 
let's keep it going. We'll see what else is on out there. We need some starter homes downsizing. Yeah, uh, we, we do need some, some kind of downsized homes. I agree with that, Sabrina. That would be a good move. All right, so Citigroup, you guys see there, financial services doing well. Basic materials also doing well today. Copper leading there. When I look at copper, I look at FCX. That's the only one that I really trade there on copper. And you can see that just going straight up on an hourly trend. Shows it's a nice rebound there. Daily had a lot of support underneath it. So let's start seeing if the trend could come back in copper. I wouldn't go too crazy on that move. Not until we get to really about like 3350s. And then I'll really be trying to call the bottom there. But it does have the 50 moving averages below it and the nine. So showing you that at least in the last 50 days, it's starting to get more of a positive trend and just pushed off here around the 2850s. It's not a bad outlook on copper. Just keep it on your watch. One of the areas that I wanted to watch today was industrial metals and minerals, right? We've been watching uranium talk left and right. This is one of the best ones that I want to keep on watch. I really like this daily outlook here. Nice little pullback has gone up here multiple times looking for the breakout above 24. Today, we got a test towards that breakout. We got towards 2388. We still haven't gotten to that 24. This is one that I'd keep in mind. And if you want to look at just the actual players, this is an ETF. But maybe you're looking at LEU or maybe you like CCL or CCJ. These are all definitely in play and some that I will keep watch. LAC is another one that I wanted to watch in lithium versus uranium. Lithium plays looking good here. LAC getting some lift. The other one that I thought had a beautiful daily chart was PLL, and it still hasn't really broken out there from there. So look at this daily chart. This is the daily. It looks really nice here. I, I kind of really like this kind of play here. Let me actually lower down my money flow here so we can get a little bit better outlook on the price and one of the things that happened here was an expansion of the ATR. It started lowering in as it came back to support, found that support, and now trying to break out to the 70. This is one that I would keep in my eyes. All right, so looks like uh, someone's talking about the queen. Um, I haven't seen an update. Please let me know if you guys see an update about uh, Queen Elizabeth. I know that she's not in the best condition right now. Um, I wish her at least some health and at least waiting till her family can get to her. That's what I would like to see, you know, at least let her family get to her in time. Did, did she really quantum? Can you please confirm that? I definitely don't want to say it if it's not 100% true confirmed by BBC. Let, let me catch it here. I just want to make sure guys, I don't want to say anything until I 100% I, I know. Um, looks like I don't have confirmation right now, but yes. All right. Thank you. I, I just wanted to make sure there now I'm trying to confirm too. All right. Well, it looks like the sad news is going through there. Um, yes, it's something that, uh, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to affect stocks that much. Let's see. Let's see if we got a, a down trigger here. And so just kind of watch. Uh, for me, it would be a move back below kind of the 397. If we just all of a sudden just really hard tank to 397 in five minutes, that will show me a little bit more concern, uh, but definitely not what I wanted to hear there. So God bless the queen. Definitely God bless the queen. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into what was not hot. Um, what was not hot was definitely 
Uh, you can take a look here. Communication services, defenses were slightly up. Energy actually bounced today. And so if we were looking to see if oil was going to come back down, it did get a nice little spike in the last kind of hour. We pulled back a little bit. We'll see if it can continue that lift and oil catching a little bit of some bounce. All right, let's go ahead. Let's keep going into some other stock news on out there. Let's go towards our earnings stocks. All right, so the first one up we're going to talk about, of course, was GameStop. Who still likes GameStop? Who went to a GameStop this year? I haven't been to a GameStop in at least, I would say, three years. Um, but let me know what you guys think. When's the last time you guys went to GameStop? Let's take a look at GameStop today. I know it was trying to move on up, pulled back down there. Let's talk a little bit about their earnings here. GameStop coming in with a loss of 35 cents, beating the loss of 38 cent estimate sales at 1.14 billion, missing the 1.27 billion estimate. GameStop said quarterly sales declined and losses widened as cash piles shrank and inventory swelled. This is where the concern really comes in. Their inventory going way high. And yeah, this is helping them out a little bit. But in the long run, if they're not able to sell that inventory, well, then they're going to be in a world of pain here. Uh, they also announced a partnership with FTX. Um, this is an important thing to kind of keep an eye out. The partnership is intended to introduce more GameStop customers to FTX community and its marketplace for digital assets. I don't know how much of a positive this will really be for FTX, but it's a good partnership. I mean, they just tried to kind of combine here to kind of give some outlook towards FTX community and also try to bring in GameStop's customers to FTX. Not the worst thing to kind of see here. Let's go to a stock that was doing well today, Asana, and it's continuing to do well here. Let's talk about their earnings. EPS coming in at 34 cent loss, beating the 39 cent estimate. Sales at 134.9 million, beating the 127.24 million estimate. They raised their guidance. They see now full year 23 sales of 500 and 44 million on the low end, high end to 547 million versus the 535.32 million estimate here. So raising that guidance on the full year 23 sales. Asana trying to make that next step on up there. We'll see what happens in this one. Was keeping an eye out to see what would happen. Would we get that next push? Um, let me actually pull back the retracement outlook there. Um, and now it's just interesting to watch. I, I think, you know, really, if you could get back above 29, that's a that's a great look there for Asana. Another thing to mention is the amount of volume coming in here. That just shows me that they're, they're buying this up a little bit. Now we need to look for some pullback opportunities to maybe join the party. But for right now, it's kind of holding that hourly trend and trying to push up there through the uh, 24 price tag. All right, what's going on out there, team? How's the market looking like? Are we getting some of that downside action? No, the SPY actually pushing on up here towards 399.76. We'll see what happens out there. It's a crazy market out there right now. We just don't know where we're heading. All right, you can see the SPY trying to make a move up there. We'll see what happens. All right, let's go to MKC, which is McCormick, not McKesson, McCormick, guys. And, uh, it put out a guidance 
not looking good there for McCormick. Of course, this has pulled back the full 100% retracement. So I always look at those kind of retracement levels to see if they can hold. Right now, we're at a very important one. Oh, I'm sorry for putting a fan there for you. Uh, not what I wanted to look for. I was looking for a horizontal line there. Um, so it's interesting to see it. I mean, let's take a look here. Where is it holding on up? Where did it hold? Look to the left. Looks like we're holding right around here. Let's take a look at the monthlies. Monthly has support a little bit lower. So I'm going to actually draw this down towards 77.38. We don't want to see that 77 kind of break down. If that breaks down on McCormick, you got to be concerned. And another thing to kind of mention is you're seeing the cross on over here. And that's not a good sign there as the 50 crossed down below the 200-day. 200-day rejected that move on up through 92. And now it's rejecting all the moving averages above it, showing me that bearish uh, kind of action here. Let's take a look at what they put out there. They put a gloom outlook expecting Q3 adjusted EPS at 65 cents versus a consensus of 83 cents. They talked about the supply chain cost is taking longer than expected, pressuring gross margins here. Now they expect growth of three to 5% versus five to 7%. And so this is not a good outlook here for McCormick and could be hitting some of the other packaged foods. Let me take a look here at how packaged food is doing today. And you can see it's down 1.46. Let's see some of the leaders. And what do you see? Well, you see a bunch of red with this warning. Look at this. Uh, Kraft Heinz down. General Mills down. Hormel Foods down. Kellogg's down. McCormick that we just talked about. Uh, CAG down today. SJM. It just doesn't look good right now in the packaged food. Even though these are defensive names, they're not doing the best right now. All right, what's going on out there? Love the manipulation today, says Easy Mike. Yeah, it's just just flipping on there, back and forth, back and forth. You know how it is sometimes. All right, let's keep going. Let's take a look at the next topic we're going to get into. That's going to be Dave and Buster's. Who's been to a Dave and Buster's in the last year? I, I actually went to one for a little while and just at least to have some fun, kind of play some video games. And, you know, win some tickets, you know, pretty good at those jackpot ones. Like to win some jackpots. But all right, Dave and Buster's earnings coming in here. EPS at 64 cents, missing the $1.07 estimate. Sales at 468.36 million, beating the 432.91 million estimate. As Dave and Buster's had a good results, was looking like it wanted to come back through a long-term trend line. Take a look at this weekly trend line. It's been trying to make its way back through there. Made its way towards 50 where it looked like it was trying to break out another rejection to try to get back above 45 towards the 50s. Does not look good here for play. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get into some other talk on out there. Futures traders, uh, long hypertension names. We'll see what happens out there. Thank you for catching that, Jay. We'll see if the market wants to continue the rise. I mean, it's been a big push. What I would say is this equivalent to is looking at NVIDIA. Um, if NVIDIA can keep coming back, Polytech will keep coming back. And if technology can bounce, I mean, it's up 1.8% from the open, but overall only up 0.4. I think that's the important thing to kind of watch is how this has reacted since the open 
And you can see it here. It's been pushing on up. It's tried to get back up there. We'll see if technology can make another move up. All right, let's keep going here. Let's get into Kathy talk as Kathy uh, coming out with some comments. Of course, I'll just bring up ARKK with this kind of talk. And we'll see if uh, some of these growth names can really kind of get a nice push. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, so Kathy's hawking back here at, at you know, Fed Chair Jerome Powell. So I'm going to give you some of these comments. You guys can follow with those comments down at the moving bar there. Um, so the Fed is basing monetary decisions on lagging indicators. That's what she's stating. She's stating that employment and core inflation is what they focus on. But leading indicators like gold and copper are flagging the risk of deflation. Even oil prices have dropped more than 35% from its peak. She then went into this whole conversation of trying to compare Jerome Powell with Volcker's name and Volcker and Powell is the, actually the one that started talking about Volcker in his speech. And so she tried to kind of state that they're in very different situations, right? She said that the COVID supply shock inflation is nothing like the 70s inflation that started the guns and butter in 1964 and accelerated after Nixon ended the gold exchange standard in 1971. So she also stated that here that in contrast, faced with two years supply related inflation shock, Powell is using Volcker's sludge hammer and I believe is making a mistake. This is really where she really starts calling out Fed Chair Jerome Powell that he's making a big mistake. Um, he, she stated that the Fed has raised the Fed fund uh, rate tenfold from 0.25 to, point, uh, to 2.5, five times uh, more than Volcker's two-time fold increase from 10% to 20% in the early 80s. In the pipeline, inflation is turning into deflation. One of the biggest inflation gauges, the gold price, has peaked more than two years ago, August 2020, and lumber prices have come down. Copper has come down. Iron has come down. Dram memory ships have come down. Crude oil has come down. So pretty much stating that she thinks the Fed is actually going to flip policy really quickly in the next, you know, three to six months. So we'll see if, you know, Kathy's right. She's definitely talking up her book here with the ARKK and some of these growth names. But at least, I mean, not having a bad day today, definitely getting a little bit of a bounce back. Square having a really nice day there. Roblox having a really good day. Look at Roku, one of her biggest positions, bouncing on up there about 4%. So something to keep on watch as Kathy hawks back on inflation and stating deflation there. All right, what's going on out there, chat? I see you guys. What are you guys taking a look at? <laughs> FCX doesn't believe Kathy. I agree with that. Copper was one of the leading uh, kind of basic materials today. So at least from her argument, it's kind of crazy to catch that. All right. Why is anyone listening to Kathy? Who who would listen to someone who's lost their investment by 80%? That's the truth, Bryce. But I'll tell you one thing. You've actually been seeing inflows, right? Not outflows from ARK. And it's crazy to see, but their investors still believe in Kathy. All right, we'll take a look here. Let's keep going. Let's get into the next headline here. Next headline is going to be about First Solar. So I got a lot to talk about today. I feel like, you know, I'm going to need some water at the end of this show. But hey, 
let's keep going. Let's take a look at some solar stocks. You guys know that I've been calling out SEDG for a nice move here. It's starting to kind of balance out here. It's towards uh, 312s, not looking too bad. Just gave a little spike there towards the 314s. We'll see if it can get back above 315 and make a move on up. EMPH also trying to come back here after kind of coming down fast with the market, trying to hold the little push. But we're talking first solar here. Let's talk about that. Daily chart has a big rip on up and it's kept that gain and slowly but surely heading towards the upside. Let's talk about it here as first solar rising in the pre-market as Goldman Sachs double upgraded of the solar stock from buy uh, from sell to buy. On the demand front, we see first solar as one of the best levered to the U.S. demand tailwinds. And so right there, U.S. demand tailwinds is giving you some good insight in solar within our solar panel supplier coverage as U.S. accounts for roughly 80% of the company's revenue. Uh, this was from analyst Brian Lee from Goldman Sachs. And so what does this show me? It shows me that they're seeing the tailwinds of, of course, the Inflation Reduction Act and the energy kind of bill to try to help these solar stocks kind of continue their push. And it's helping them. And a big part is why? Because 80% of their revenue is coming here from U.S. accounts versus a lot of these that have a lot of money coming from where? From China. And so there you guys are seeing First Solar really taking that, that next step up. And we'll see what happens in some of these. Definitely to me, I think you watch ENPH, you watch First Solar. One of these is going to give you a little bit more insight when it turns around. But it's been a strong, strong couple of weeks for Solar Names. All right, we'll see what happens there. Let's keep taking a look. The queen, not a market factor, at least for right now, it doesn't look like it. Um, but let's keep going. Let's take a look at Disney's former CEO, Bob Iger, stepping on up or stepping AMC down and really kind of hitting some of the movie theaters with comments like was given yesterday. Uh, Disney's former CEO, Bob Iger, the pandemic fundamentally changed how audience consume media, uh, leading to smaller foot traffic at movie theaters, says former Disney's CEO. I don't think movies ever return in terms of movie going to the levels that they were in the pre-pandemic time. And so this is something that I would keep on watch. Of course, it could determine Disney Plus strategy moving forward, right? I mean, I, I know all the executives probably heard uh, from Disney's former CEO what he thinks about the movie theaters. Now it's time to leave. What will Disney's current CEO think about this? And will they move kind of closer towards a Disney Plus release for theoretical releases is something to keep on watch, right? For a little while there, that seemed to be the norm, right? The movies were coming out just directly to the streaming services. You just had to pay a little bit more on Disney Plus to see these. And I think this is probably the route in the long term because if they're not expecting the movies going to come back, well, maybe this conversation comes back. For a little while there, it went away. And you started seeing movies and even stating only in theaters. Why are they stating only in theaters? Because you can't get it at your home. We'll see what happens there in Disney. What do you guys think about Disney? Have you guys gone to the movies? I went to the movies once in the last year. So 
not the worst. I saw uh, Elvis, um, but it's now out. What? In streaming. It's still out in theater, but now you can watch it on HBO. And that's just how it is nowadays. It's interesting to watch. All right, next conversation is something that I think you guys should just keep an eye out on what happens in NIO, XPEV, and LI. So a lot of the situation that we've been covering in NVIDIA was after their license requirement for kind of the chips being sent to China. And part of this comes into play with NIO because NIO uses their chip for a lot of their um, autonomous kind of vehicle, right? And so what they stated on their earnings call was that we believe it will not have an impact on our business operation. Um, and this is where I really get concerned because if they're not, if they're going to be running into a chip problem now because of what the U.S. has done with licensing for NVIDIA, well, this can start causing concerns for those China EVs, which already have demand issues, right? I mean, one of their biggest cities locked down and continuing to kind of play this uh, zero COVID policy. Well, there you have it. I don't see the upside right now for China EV. All right, getting out of that, let's talk about United stepping up and buying 204 seat uh, electric aircraft from EVE Air Mobility. Um, this was interesting to hear about. And it looks like, you know, hey, I mean, United Airlines investors, at least today, looking like they appreciate this kind of purchase. Uh, the carrier has the option to buy 200 additional aircraft and said it would invest 15 million. The investment follows a deposit of 10 million in a competitor on Archer's electric aircraft. So it looks like to me here, United is definitely stepping up to the plate here with their air mobility. And they're trying to get this electric aircraft kind of situation really kicking off. Something to keep on watch. It's not a reason why I would maybe be trading UAL, but who knows? I did see some people kind of taking some swing trades on Joby Aviation because of this. And who knows? Maybe you see some other airlines making some purchase of electric aircraft or at least agreeing to purchase electric aircraft, something to keep on our radar. We'll see what happens there. All right, getting out of that talk, let's go ahead. And I tried to save a little bit of time for some ticker time. So you guys out there, if you guys got a stock, you guys want to call on out in, in you know, a different area you want to take a look at, go ahead and throw it up in the chat. I already caught one that we're going to get into, which is steel. And steel definitely making a nice little push on up here. A lot of this I saw was U.S. steel really taking off. Look at that little push. And I think this is one to keep on our eyes as we're getting kind of it coming back towards that 200 day. If it could close above 26, this is really going to be looking good. Cleveland Cliff also looking good. Like it's trying to come back here. I talked about it yesterday that I wanted to look for a close towards 18. Once we get into this space, I really am going to pay attention to Cleveland Cliff trying to make that move towards 20. Um, and if you like these and maybe you were watching like Nucor, Nucor having a really nice day. This one actually was lagging as you saw Cleveland Cliff and X take off. And you could have played this for a leader lagger type of play, which is always some of my favorite relationship style plays. Um, so NUE, nice little move. Uh, Steel Dynamics, also really good move here in Steel. 
All right, let's go ahead. I'm going to take some stocks from you. What recession? The U.S. oil industry won't stop growing. Well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's keep going. Let's take some stocks from the chat. Quentin, is that uh, Blue Apron? A-P-R-O-N? Yeah, I think that's Blue Apron here. Uh, there you go. Blue Apron getting some lift there. Let's talk a little bit about this. Daily chart has a nice look. So one of the things is when you're trading these cheaper names, right? You want to be seeing these stocks that kind of get the spike and hold up at the top, hold on the range. This is the important thing of kind of uh, signifying which one of these lower price name is just a spike, pump and dump versus a stock that is actually building some good technical levels here and you can look for breakouts. So Blue Apron would definitely be one of those stocks that I would call out has a nice sideways action on the daily, giving you the insight that it could take that next step. Um, so another stock that I saw doing the similar move was Party, right? And sideways step after the pop, holding the $2, now just slowly stepping on up. So uh, I'm going to definitely just go back there to, uh, you know, Blue Apron, but it's something that I want to keep on watch. That's APRN. Um, and it's taking that nice lift. Now you want to see it kind of hold the pullback to the first breakout level. That's 674. Look how between yesterday and today, you actually got above that to seven, then pull back today to 644, giving you that opportunity to look for that. So a lot of this is more what you call the breakout level. Breakout level was right here yesterday as you were breaking through the kind of daily level. Nice little push on up there, one to seven. So 674. And then you look for the throwback level when it comes right back down to that level to catch the boom. And so that's what I call the throwback level. And so once you get that breakthrough, you're looking for a little quick dip below that to recover and then you'll see that kind of extension. Nice little move there from seven. Now I just look to see that it holds 674. And you could also, uh, of course, look at an hourly level now to see if it can hold kind of this resistance, which is 724. But you could wick kind of through that in the next couple of days as you see the trend continue. We'll see what happens here, Blue Apron. All right, let's keep going to some of those names that you guys are calling out. One that I liked here, Quantum mentioned, Target. This is really starting to look good for me. I'm just waiting here just to see kind of a nice little move on up back into this shadow zone. But as you can see here, we're just slightly getting into that right now. I want to really kind of pay attention because I feel like this one eventually gets back to 200. Don't want to miss a 30-point move for risking maybe 10 points around here. So it seems to set up there. It seems to make sense. We're looking at almost like a 30-point move for risks of 10 points, three to one outlook. I like this on the long run. Of course, you just got to kind of wait to see when it's going to get moving. Another thing that I look for is a lot of sideways action. Sideways action is what I really like to see. Anything between, uh, I look for three months of sideways action and then a breakout because after three months, a lot of the times people forget about the name until it makes that move. So keep your eyes out for a move towards 180 on target. We'll see if we get that move. Uh, GLD, gold, I, I just don't know about this, man. Uh, honestly, it's been holding well, but gold is such a hard call. I remember when I called it earlier in the year, and it was the first time that I ever got gold right. 
Um, it's it's a hard one to get right. All right, let's keep going. Kroger reports tomorrow. Definitely one to keep on watch. I've been watching it since it hit the trend line. And you can see here why. Because you can see when I created the trend line. I actually created this trend line in June 22nd. And I've just been watching it come back towards that line. Right here is the day that I thought it was a really good day, which was July 26th when you bounced off of that. Now we're going to really see if it gets back above 50 or do you crack below that day, which is 44.34. If it cracks that, the trend can change. If not above 50, you're looking for this to come back towards 52.26 as you have a little bit of a shadow zone here that I think we could come back on up through let's see if we can get above 50 and then make our way back towards 52.26 one to keep on watch watching target and costco 100 those are two that i'd be keeping my eyes on i did like costco too and their earnings are coming on up in a couple of weeks shop shop till we drop all right, let's go ahead. Let's do shop here. This is going to be the last stock, guys, that I have to get on over. And I will let you guys know I'm going to be going towards the roadmap today to talk about some football NFTs. So I don't want to see you guys miss out on that talk. I'm going to be joining Chris Ketchy at 2.30, but the show starts at 2. So we're going to get you guys over right now. All right, so last stock here, shop. Getting a little bit of a nice little push. Um, we'll see what happens here. Now I think you, you at least know your line in the sand, right? Your line in the sand is right underneath you at 30. 30 cracks, danger, danger, right? But this could happen, like a 29.89 move. Classic to catch the dip there. As dip buyers bought the dip there, got it back towards 31.77. You really want to see this one close above 31 today. If not, it could come right back into that red zone. All right, guys, I wish I could cover all the stocks. If you guys got more stocks and want me to check these on out, what you can do is go on over to at the close. That's going to be at 3.30 Eastern right here. You don't got to go anywhere. Stick around on Benzinga. That's what we're here for is to help you guys check out the market action. At 3.30, we'll have Joel Alconan on with myself on at the close, and we'll take a look at all the intraday action Bring those tickers on over. We'll do a little bit extended ticker time. I'll make sure to leave some time on the show for you guys out there, but you got to come on over. I'll see you guys over at, at the close. That's at 3.30. Now let's bring you over to none other than the roadmap. I'll see you guys next time right here on Stock Market Movers. I'm your host, Money Mitch. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We went through a, so many topics today. I'm going to need some water after today. Jobless claims, crude oil inventories, Fed Chair Jerome Powell's speech. We covered ECB hike rate, Putin's warning, Prime Minister Louis Truss, Rivian, GameStop, Asana, Dave and Busters, McCormick, Kathy Wood, Disney's former CEO, NVIDIA, United, housing markets. Where else are you guys getting so many coverage on the market in one hour? Please let me know what you guys want to see more or less of right here on Stock Market Movers. I'll see you guys next time.